0: Welcome to Sold Out Sports Talk with your host, Roman Gabriel III. Up close conversations with high impact personalities from the world of sports and entertainment. Follow Roman on Twitter and Facebook at Roman Gabriel III. Now, Roman Gabriel III. Uh, welcome to Sold Out Sports Talk on American Family Radio. Looking forward to this very special guest. Well, she's, uh, if we counted up uh, a, a amount of uh, times on this program, she would be right up at the top. Of course, when you're an Olympian, you need to be at the top. So coming in with this two-time world champion skeleton driver and uh, getting ready for her fourth Olympics in South Korea, Pyeongchang. With us today, uh, Katie Ulander. Katie, how are you? Great to have you back. Great. How are you doing? Oh, I'm awesome, Awesome. I'm awesome. So we're talking to you, you were telling me before we went on today, you're in Lake Placid, you're in New York, you're getting ready, right?
1: Yeah, I'm at the Olympic Training Center in Lake Placid, New York, the site of the 1980 Games, and I am training. My only focus this time around is the Olympic Games. So I eat, sleep, train, and that's it. I'm going to be the most boring athlete ever for the next (laughs) six months.
0: Okay, but the the real question here, but we'll get to all the training stuff, but what color's your hair right now? It's red. Okay, so we're still red. Good. So you're sticking with that all the way?
1: Of course. It's my signature move at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's long though. It's long. I have long hair and I kind of it's like an ombre style, so it goes from like dark red to bright bright red.
0: Well, uh, the 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 good the good news is is not only do you compete hard, but you got serious hair. That's what we all love about you.
2: Of course.
0: (laughs) Well, listen. There's no other way. I mean, let's just put it this way, Katie. I mean, if you were a doctor, you'd be coming on like year 50 of of an Olympia. I mean, this is your fourth one. I mean, your your, your birthday's coming up July 17th. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. I mean, crazy. Did you ever think in the world that you'd be in your 30s going after your fourth Olympics? No, but I don't
1: really think that i Anytime I make plans, they never work out. So I think the best things in life come when you
2: don't expect them.
0: Well, the thing I love about you, though, is, is that you've, you've certainly earned it. And, and if if you've forgotten the story, which I which I hope you haven't, Katie and Soshi finished .04 out of the bronze medal uh, last time around. And I remember we talked to you right after that. Since then, you've gone through some more trials and tribulations with some surgeries on your ankle and on your knee, uh, in the past, you've had four surgeries of your hip. Um, so the question you know we were getting through last year was you getting healthy. So where are we at?
1: Well, I mean, I've won every title you can possibly win in the sport. I've got world champion, world cup champion, national champion, America's cup champion, ICC, you get the point. So my goal this time is that one title I don't have, and that's Olympic champion. And everything I've done has been geared towards this one race. In Pyeongchang so I had those two surgeries and instead of me like getting off crutches and bouncing right back into competition I opted to give myself more time which hurt my re- my results or my uh, my numbers in the quad but there's no doubt that when I stepped the line in Pyeongchang in February that I'm gonna be hundred percent healthy for the first time in my career at the Olympic Games and statistically speaking I should be a medal contender. I am a medal contender because I've won all the things I could win, and this is the only race I haven't showed up healthy to yet. If I'm alive, I'm going to be up the game. So as long <laughs> as I got a pulse, I'll be there. But I'm not trying to just be there this time, I'm trying to win.
0: Katie um, Ulander is with us, yeah. uh, Team USA Skeleton. And um, for, you know, I've become a hardcore Skeleton fan because of you. But for the fans that are listening, you know, that are just tuning in that don't know what skeleton is, Katie, why don't you fill them in?
1: Skeleton is the best thing ever, especially if you like sledding or, like, water slides because you essentially take a cookie sheet size sled and you jump on it head first and it feels like you're flying. It's, those thing, it's a thing where you start to fear how fast you're going initially and then you stop and you're like, I have no brakes. So you embrace the fear and it becomes part of you and you end up craving more of it and going with gravity and just absorbing the relaxed chaos around you. It's it's pretty amazing.
0: So for those people that in their car go 80 miles an hour on the freeway, four feet up encased, silently, smoothly with four wheels, you're like inches from, you know, the ice going 80 miles an hour with absolutely no brakes, right?
1: No brakes. I can't really see a lot. But you know what's weird is after doing it for 15 years, uh, I feel safer closer to the ground going that fast. (laughs) Like, anytime I, I like, increase my height visibility, it feels really scary. So um, vehicles are similar, I would think. But I think the most close feeling I've had or similar feeling is uh, skydiving. The only difference is there's more openness. So like when you're when you're falling it feels just like skeleton except it's like more open so in with skeleton you're it's a tunnel like you're in a little icy tube uh which which is actually safer believe it or not like I think it's one of the safest sports I've done
0: <laughs> And you and by the way you you, you did some psych, you've done cycling you've done um competition weightlifting but I assume that you got out of the weightlifting because of the injuries right just tough on the on the joints
1: yeah, 2012 Olympic trials, I competed to, for a shot to go to London, and um, I had planned on post-Sochi attempting to make Rio, but I found out that I competed with no soft tissue in my hip and a hole in my ankle. So I had hip surgery right after Sochi, followed by ankle surgery, which is why I took time off uh, competing the squad. And then when I came back, I, I did not I, I told my coaches that I would slide, but I didn't want to race, and I didn't want to train or push myself. If I had pain, I was going to sit back, because I research recently has shown it takes two years to recover from surgery 100 percent. Not saying that you can't compete prior to that, like a year out, usually is what they say. But what I've noticed, and I've had 12 surgeries, is that if I give myself that extra year, I'm like, for real back. Like, better than I was before. So that's why this quad, I don't really have uh, too many results on the races because I decided to take a step back and just focus on, on Korea. So this is going to be my debut season, basically, coming back from Sochi. And I got a fire under my butt, to tell you what.
0: All right. Well, Katie, Ulander's with us. She's getting ready for Pyeongchang South Korea 2018 Winter Olympics and she's got World Cup coming up. She's going to have to challenge some very talented young ladies to get that top 3 to get that shot at that one award that she has uh, missed that she wants. And you know Katie, one of the things I love about your story and love about so many people's stories especially in our country is um you know just rags to riches in terms of what it takes to get to the top. And the trials and tribulations that sometimes you have to go through in order to be a champion. And and you don't have to necessarily win the biggest award to be a champion. And God obviously blessed you with, with athletic abilities. Of course, your father, we know Minnesota Twins, and, and uh incredible baseball player and coach and taught you how to be a, an athlete. And uh but tell me just tell me from a perseverance standpoint, all you've been through, you get to that fourth one and you're at the top of the hill. What's going to be going through your mind, and what are some of the things you've learned about yourself through this process?
1: Well, one story I continually go back to in my head is one that my father told me early on in my career. I had just made Junior World Championships, but I'd only been on a sled for three weeks, and I I didn't think I deserved to go. I was competing with an Olympic champion, America's Cup champion, all these champions, and I'd been on a sled three weeks. I was like, what am I doing here? And he said, let me tell you about the time that I was, in Yankee Stadium for the first time, Mickey Man on the outfield, 60,000 fans, and I couldn't get my legs to stop shaking. He said, I stepped out of the batter's box at least five times. And then I realized that no matter what, the legends before me had to take the same steps I'm taking into the batter's box. And once you're there, nobody cares how you got there. You have one job, to hit the ball. He said, if it, whether it took me two days or 10 years, he said, All of us have the same job in the batter's box, and it's simple. And when he told me that story, I was like, oh, I totally get it. Like, it doesn't matter what I'm thinking, all these thoughts, negative, positive. Once I'm on the line and I'm there to compete, I have one job. And none of this other stuff changes that. Like, even all my preparation leading up to it, it doesn't matter because I have one job to do at that moment. And so when I get to Pyeongchang, you know, no matter all the the nonsense leading up to it, when I get to the line... I'm bringing
0: everything I got. Katie Ulander with us, Team USA, uh, going after her fourth Olympic appearance in the skeleton. And um, Katie, you know, one of the things that, you know, you've done through your career, and it's been a long one, and, and I know I know you're blessed to do it, is you've had an opportunity to, to be around and to influence and be influenced by so many people. Um, tell me about just, you know, as you look back on your experience to this point, just what it's been like to, to be able to, I know, I know being a role model is important to you. So, so tell me about just the satisfaction of that.
1: Well, I've, I had my hero. I was lucky enough to have my hero be my father. Um, and then my best friend, Stephen Holcomb, uh, became Olympic champion. We started out winning together in 06. We called it the dream, dream season, 06, 07. Uh, we won so many races that. Uh, we didn't even have to compete by the end of the year to to take the overall title. Um, And they are two people that have pushed me the most and have constantly brought me back to ground zero and understanding that no matter what you accomplish or what your legacy is, it doesn't matter. Like what matters is the moment, like when you step into the batter's box and you're there to hit or you're there to do whatever job you have in front of you. And the thing that I try to remember is to be humble and open so that I can learn from those around me. I think that the best thing you can do uh, is be awesome to inspire others to do the same, because that's what my father and my best friend did for me.
0: And Katie, you know, coming from a team sport, you know, football and and just being around a lot of team athletes, you know, when you have a big disappointment or or when you work so hard over the summer and then in training camp and then you go through a 16-week NFL season, you get to the playoffs and and you have a disappointment, and but you know you can get back to working out after about a month, and you only got eight months to wait to get back in uniform. How difficult is it to be an Olympic athlete like you and to know that it's every four years and, and to go through all the things you have to go through to get there for this honor?
1: Well, I don't know if you guys remember the name Dan Jansen. He's I a do. a speed skater back in the day and it took him four olympics to win his gold and i talked to him in sochi after i lost by 400th of a second and i was like man how did you do it i said because right now losing by 400th of a second i cannot imagine going another four years and a 400th of a second to put it in perspective is faster than you can blink and i just could not comprehend or fathom like i'm going to train so hard for the next four years to potentially have this happen again and dan looked at me and he said you can't think about it like that take it one day at a time and do what you need to do to get there and don't worry about the rest it will come and he told me his story
0: That's why we admire you guys, though, because when the Olympics come around, you know, they do the stories on you guys. Everybody gets toned into the Olympics for that that two-week period. And then it's almost forgotten. And you're talking about, I mean, if we were to put this in comparison, like going back to college for four years. I mean, I remember that four years of college to get ready for the draft in professional football. You've done that. This will be your fourth time, so it's amazing how well your body has held up through all the the punishment and the injuries, and just your perseverance has been amazing.
1: Well, thank you. I I don't think I have a choice, though. I mean, if the option is quit or keep on, I'm going to keep on. My father told me once, and I took it as a challenge. He said, do it right or don't do it at all. And he knew quitting was an option, so I only had one choice, to keep getting up and try again until I got it right. So he wasn't expecting me to be perfect every time, but he did expect me to keep trying. And I think that's the key message here is that, you know, when you step into the batter's box, you're always going to be up against the odds. I mean, those guys hit one in three three times that they're at that, but they believe every time they step into the batter's box that they're going to get a hit. And I think that was his point um, in the story about him with Mickey Mantle on the outfield and 60,000 fans is he realized that he just had to believe he could do it And step in there and just go do it. Keep it simple, but never give up and and be open to learning and be humble. And those are the lessons I'm trying to take to heart. And I think now that I'm in my 30s, I'm blessed with the ability to actually come into maturity with those those lessons. Whereas when I was younger, I was easily distracted and overwhelmed. And now I'm just really honed in on who I am and what I want to do.
0: Okay, so here's the question: Is it, regardless of what takes place this time around, is this the last Olympic for you?
1: I don't know. You know, I'm, I thought about it, and then I was like, "Dude, the Olympics three years from now. I don't see my body taking a big, you know, downturn. If I stay healthy and I stay smart, I could go another Olympics. That would be my fifth, and it could be fun. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay open. You know, what if I meet a man and I want to go have babies? I mean, it's possible, <laughs> but um. <laughs> It's definitely, that, it's not a priority. I'm just saying that's like the opposite of what I'm doing right now. And <laughs> you never know. Like, I wouldn't have thought that I, had have, I would have had 12 surgeries up to this point and still be an athlete. Hey, I, heard,
0: I heard you've been meeting some guys out in New York on the streets just challenge them to race though, right?
1: Okay, well, yes. But they were trying to flirt with me. And so my <laughs> response was, do you want to race? <laughs> so they were all like doing the construction worker, like cat call thing. And I was like, you want to race? So they, they like, they, no takers, huh? Uh, sorry, what'd
0: you say? No takers, huh?
1: No, man. They just they just laughed. I was
0: like, yeah, it's funny now, huh? So, what,
1: but so it was fun. I was. I even offered to give them a head start. They still said no.
0: So what kind of response do you get in New York City when you're kicking it? Because do me a favor, guys out there, guys and gals that are listening to the show. Uh, we got Katie Ulander on uh, Olympic skeleton. And uh, she's getting ready for her fourth Olympics in South Korea coming up in 2018. And, uh, you know, one of the things, Katie, that's, that, that that people just don't get is, uh, you know, uh, you have this flair. And, and, and people and people love, love your attitude. They love your bright spirit. They love, you know, the dress up. They love everything that goes along with it. So what would it mean to you to, uh, to medal this time? What, what, what would it mean after all this?
1: Well, in Sochi, when I thought, I honestly thought that I had won um, because the girl was losing time and her run was so bad. I did not expect to lose by hundredths of a second. I I'd honestly tasted the medal as I was watching her come down. And then in an instant, it was taken away. And prior to that happening, I had everything that went through my mind was just gratitude. I was so thankful for all the support and the fans I had. And I really just couldn't believe it had happened. And I just wanted to give them the thanks and in my mind it was America's medal it wasn't my medal so when I lost I felt same gratitude just sorry for not performing and not bringing that medal home because for an instant I thought I had brought it to all those people that had been there with me on that journey um, so th- that's this time like if I, if I win this time it's not my medal it'll be America's medal and all those people cool. that helped me get here and, and never stopped
0: believing in me katie ulander um do me a favor follow her at katie k-a-t-i-e u for ulander 1-1 katie u 1-1 on twitter and you can see some cool videos see her training see her getting ready and katie as always uh we hope to talk to you as you get closer to the olympics um continued good health god bless you and uh we'll look forward to talking to you very soon hold on the line for me This young lady has won two silver medals in Vancouver and Sochi. Gazelle Marvin.
2: Thank you very much, and thanks for
0: having me on the show. Gigi, I'm I'm fired up that you're in with us. I watched. I tell you what, you guys were awesome. I tell you, you're so much fun to watch, and uh, had a had a. I know everybody was uh, really brought everybody together. Everybody was really pumped up watching you guys over there. Well,
2: thank you. It's truly a a blessing to be able to compete with that group because, like everyone was able to witness that day on the gold medal game. um, I, the hearts of the teammates and the coaching staff around us is, is amazing, and it was truly poured out every single day this year. And um, we definitely poured everything out um, that, that game.
0: Now that you look back on the game, um, what what is it that you think you could have done differently, or or was there anything you could have done differently in period three?
2: What's most important is the the heart and the effort that was laid out every single shift, every single. Every single opportunity we were on the ice, and so um, obviously as competitors, we would love to go and continue playing the next day after. Continue to keep, keep for that. So um, most importantly, though, is resting on the fact that we truly did play absolutely every everything on the line, and we did everything in our power to use the gift that God has given us.
0: One of the things that intrigues me is as i followed you on Twitter and uh, and it's just seeing some of the people that you influence and some of the things that you do. Um, obviously, with the worldwide platform, playing hockey at the level that you play at, you get an opportunity to influence others. T- tell me about some of the passions that you have off of the off of the rink.
2: Off of the rink, I have a huge passion for. Uh, kids. I have a lot of young cousins and that I hang out with, and that falls into My aunt and I own a hockey school for young kids that we do every single summer. We've done it for seven years. And so I have a huge passion doing that. I have a huge passion speaking and sharing what God has done in my life. And I have a huge passion of just being on the lake. Up in War it's very cold, but in the summers it's awesome because we live on a huge lake. And I I love going out and spending time out there with my family and friends and uh, enjoying literally the, the scenery that we have been blessed with.
0: Talk to me about the faith aspect of this team, USA.
2: God has done such an amazing job, and it was literally what uh, one of the prayers was before the before we actually left to go to the gold medal game that day. One of the girls just literally was saying a prayer and said, "God, what an amazing work you've done. I've been able to witness so many hearts transformed. My heart has grown so fiercely stronger, and I've seen others as well. And that's you know basically what." the point of this life is, just to grow more like Christ every single day. spiritual training of some value, but Godliness has a for all things, and so that's something that was so evident. I've seen the hearts being transformed and the perseverance and the, the character being shaped by Christ, and um, it, it's amazing to see that growth. These people who've never known about Him, hear about Him, and then people who and then choose to follow Him or ask questions about what it is, and go to church or just kind of pursue it more. And it's definitely encouraged my walk. It's encouraged my teammates. And um, like you mentioned about the platform, uh, it's amazing to listen and be encouraged by others and listen to how they were encouraged or continuing to be encouraged by what has
0: happened. Uh, with the professional hockey uh, up there, w- w- tell me about that and about w- what that opportunity is like.
2: The – Boston, we are in a league called the Canadian Women's Hockey League and then there's five other teams in there and it is four post-grads out of college who are able to, it's a league for them to continue to train and compete and They do not get, none of us get compensated and so, but it's the only area in which to continue to grow stronger, to develop, to get better if you want to compete at the national and international level and so it's an amazing league uh, you have the best players in the world playing in it, who are out of college, and it's an amazing. It's crucial to the game, and we're definitely hoping that it continues to grow so that it it does provide that financial income, so that we are able to continue to cover expenses and do what we've been called to do.
0: Hockey's huge up in your area, but how how did you originally get interested in wanting to play hockey, and how early did you start?
2: I started at when I could walk, so before I was two and I grew up in a hockey town in a hockey family so were <laughs> going on whether I liked it or not and it just so happened I fell in love with it and like I said I mean the, the it's a hockey town everyone talks about hockey everyone goes to the rink you live at the rink and that's basically how I've always been is I love going to the rink and skate every day and um, just grow and the gifts that I've been given and I'm very thankful for everything. The, the family who first put the skates on me continues to develop it and then growth in it.
0: Now, your dad was the manager of the 1965 United States Men's National Ice Hockey Team. What type of influence did your dad have in terms of you loving hockey and the whole Olympic experience and and, and really encouraging you to play? He, he was the,
2: right there the first guy to put the skates on and bring me to the rink every single day. He was there to Share his experience, shared his knowledge, share his love of the game, and it, it influenced me greatly. It's awesome because you have such a passion for it. Like, um, I mean, anyone, like, I mean, you were mentioning, you basically fell in love with the same passion that your father had. It's contagious, and I also developed the same love for the game, and it was awesome to be surrounded by someone who's already been there, someone who's already experienced it, someone who's already, and more than that, more than experience it, he's willing to, share willing to help willing to sacrifice willing to put my needs above and say hey how can i help you what do you need How can i bring you to the rank? you want to go to the rink? and he's there to encourage that and so that's something that you know awesome and
0: Gigi, tell me about your whole experience because when i look at your record it's incredible just the experiences you've had and, and the championships you've won the olympics that you've played in what is the biggest thing that you've taken from your experience on team usa
2: the biggest experience is the fact that The Team USA jersey is going to come off at some point, but the Team Jesus Christ will absolutely never come off. And that's something that really speaks volumes to my heart. That truly, my physical training ultimately means nothing compared to my spiritual training if my heart's not right in Christ and seeking Him every day. And so that's something that's blown my mind. And just everything about how God has taken this gift, this game, this Team USA. And said, hey, like, I'm so much more. I'm so much greater. I'm so much
0: bigger than this. You were to be described. And that is never coming off. That is awesome. Gigi, you are, you are awesome. We appreciate you for coming in. Appreciate Team USA Hockey and, and all the best as you go forward. Thank you for coming in on Sold Out Sports Talk. Appreciate you.
2: Thank you very much.
0: You've been listening to Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. Our podcasts are available at afr.net. You can follow Roman on his official website, www.fspn.net, and on Facebook at Roman Gabriel III. We'll catch you next time on Sold Out Sports Talk, your source for faith, family, and sports.